Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. <laughs> Someone just called me Alan. <laughs> Thank you. That's my middle name. All right. Hey, um, Pray with me just for a moment. Heavenly Father, we just come before you now, uh, and we thank you for the joy that's in you, but we thank you um, for, uh, for moments where you love to take us deeper, and I just pray that this would be one of those moments. Um, the, the pace of life is uh, astonishingly, astonishingly fast, and so this moment, God, we just want to slow down into the pace of your heart. And we want to actually have lives, God, that go deep. Not, not just moments, God, but lives that live in your presence. And so I just pray that you would do that now in our midst. And so we just give you this time. And I thank you for every single person here. And you want them and you love them. And so I just pray that you would be after us now. Pursue us and take us deeper. I ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How are we doing today? We doing okay? All right. Hey, this morning, um, I, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to grab them and turn to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 4 and chapter 5. There's a few places in each one of those chapters that I'd, I want us to pay attention to. I will be at a few other places as well. Um, in fact, uh, the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, mirrors uh, Luke 4 and 5, and so we will be there as well, and so you can put your finger there. But... Um, but this morning, I want to talk about the importance of desolate places. Okay, the importance of desolate places. I just want to say that again. I, I, this morning, we, we've got to come face to face with the importance of desolate places. Our, the, the depth of our walk with Jesus depends on this. Um, if, if we just do this, that's nice, but it's not the Christian life. You know that? If we just come and we gather and we just raise the sound, that's, that's, that's really cool. And, and I, I, do, I do love that, but not just that. That is one small piece of a pie. And we have to be a church body and we have to be the family of God that, when, when that realizes the fact that when Jesus purchased our sins on the cross, or when he, when he paid for our sins on the cross and he purchased us as sons and daughters, he wasn't purchasing a bride just to gather once a week, but he was purchasing a, a people that would be his heart, soul, mind, and body forever, unreservedly. And so I wanna talk about the importance of desolate places because desolate places are where we actually go deep and where we actually learn what it is to do life with God without any help, just Jesus and me. Um, I am I'm very interested in how Jesus comes after me. It's, it's interesting that Jesus comes after me often uh, when I go to the beach and where I, I least expect him to uh, kind of get to my pain. Um, he comes after me in those places. Uh, I, we day trip to Bethany Beach on Friday. Uh, it was a last minute thing. Uh, my, my kids each brought a friend. They called him up a few days prior and all the, you know, the friends could go. And so we jumped in the vehicle. We drove down to Bethany Beach early in the morning. We got there. Uh, when we got to the beach, um, it was jam-packed. It was the last Friday of July. Not the greatest time to day trip. But what I did is I pulled the vehicle up to the beach. I let the family out. I, we unpacked the boogie boards. We unpacked the beach chairs. We 
and unpacked all the snacks and all the supplies and everyone carried them down to the beach. And then I just said, hey, I'll park quick and, I, uh, and then I'll see you down here. And I, you know, waved bye to my wife <laughs> and, uh, and they were off to the beach and I was off parking. Now I've done this before uh, and I, I, and I the, every single time I've done this, it has taken me a nearly an hour usually to park. Um, but this time I had like a, I had faith rising up in my heart and I just really felt like this time God was not just gonna give me a, a space, but like I was gonna command a vehicle and the spot that I wanted to leave and it was going to. Um, and so I, I just had faith in my heart and, and so I, I jumped in my vehicle and I drove around. Let me take a, a, a long, painful story and make it short. I drove around for an hour and a half and I could not find a spot. And I was, I was speaking and declaring to vehicles, uh, for vehicles to leave, but they weren't, all right? And I just wanna share with you, sometimes that's just not what God wants. You know that? I think one of my concerns in the church today is that, is that we're teaching a Christianity that, just, that is more concerned with parking spots and declarations for convenience sake than actually going deep into the painful places of our heart with Jesus. This is really, like, I, I don't, like this is, this is, we cannot miss the ancient paths. This is, we, we, we can't just teach how to tell mountains to move or, or vehicles in this, in this case to move. That what Jesus actually wanted to do in me is he wanted me to drive for an hour and a half just with him. He didn't wanna make my life more convenient. He didn't want me sitting on the beach next to my wife. He wanted me alone in a vehicle with him. This is, I want us to press into this. Uh, to, to say that I'm, I'm concerned in, in some cases is an understatement. I don't want us to be a church that's, a, that's super excited but only an inch deep. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not knocking us. I'm just, I'm just man, I, I'm, I'm hungrier than that. Anybody? The, do you know that, that many times if we just focus on, on uh, faith declarations or we just focus on the miracles that Jesus did, but we don't actually look at the rhythms of Jesus' life and how he lived, listen, we're missing Christianity altogether. <laughs> you know this, right? The spiritual uh, mentality I feel, the... the, uh, the the spiritual mentality that I feel is, is happening across the board in, in the church is it's God if it's fast and easy and it's the devil if it's slow and difficult. Or in other words, let, let me tell you this, that what was keeping me from parking was something demonic. But that's not the case. Jesus met me. Here's what happened in, in, in an hour and a half of me driving around is I, I went from faith to questioning to doubting God's love for me. And that only took about 22 minutes, all right? <laughs> and what, what God had to do is, is, is the Holy Spirit visited me in my vehicle. It was a Ford, so that helped, all right? <laughs> visited me in the vehicle and was really like, Nathan, are, are you really at the place where I have to prove my love for you by making your life smoother? It, is the cross not enough for you yet? And I just feel like there's a depth that, that Jesus is calling us to. There's, some, there's something about just like, just being able 
to hang out with him when life's not going right and not losing your joy. Or finding, listen, finding that you never really had it. And then being having an open heart to actually receiving it. Yo, we need this. We need this. Don't you know that one of the massive ministries of the Holy Spirit is not just moving vehicles, but one of the massive ministries of the Holy Spirit is actually making us more like Jesus. This is just, man, I wanna, I wanna press hard into this, and it, I'm telling you that one of the places that we, we press in to actually be knowing Jesus and becoming more like him is desolate places. All right, let me, let me tell you this. In our spiritual formation, or let's just talk about body transformation. If we wanted to transform our physical bodies, we would tell ourselves, hey, there's gonna be a process here, and it's gonna be painful, but it's gonna be worth it. I won't be able to eat everything I want. I'm gonna have to hit the gym, and I'm gonna have to lift heavy weights, but it will be worth it, right? But so that is how God has made it that we operate and we grow through processes. It's actually called sanctification, if you want the theological word. And it, it, is, it is painful, but boy, is it heavenly happy. Because God's in it and on it and all around it. That, that you, you're not imparted a ripped body, you're sanctified into one. I think we're developing, uh, uh, we're developing theologies that you just get tons of stuff by impartation quick, and some things you do. But I don't want the church to miss out on some of the procedural things, the steps of growing up from infancy to adulthood, spiritually speaking. Just let that sit for a second. I found that the times of my life when I've grown the most is, it has been in valley seasons where Jesus has actually met me when it's dark and met me when I'm low. And he's taken me when I was at my weakness, weakest place and I had no other options but him. And that's where Jesus comes and, hey, buddy, I have, you have not left my radar. I am right here. I'm gonna do miracles in your life from this low place and he takes you on journeys with him. All right, so I, I, I really like it. I really like it. Let me, let me just remind you this morning that just because you're facing resistance doesn't mean a demon is associated. Could be, all right, could be. And I think that there, there's, I, 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 I don't think this, I know this, that there's more unseen than we know and so much stuff is in an unseen realm and it is demonic and we've just learned how to do life with it. And so I, we need to have an understanding of what's going on. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that God's not there. All right? So there's actually desolate places that God wants to lead us to and teach us in that are extremely important. And so that is why I had you turn to Luke chapter four and Luke chapter five. And I just wanna kind of set the stage for you. I love this passage because in Luke chapter four, starting with verse 16, um, you, you see that Jesus walks into the temple and he is asked to read scripture. So he walks up and he, he grabs Isaiah's scroll and he unrolls it to Isaiah 61 and he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he goes on with it and then he hands the uh, scroll in, he sits down, all the eyes are on Jesus. They're all on Jesus because Jesus basically just announced that he he is the promised Messiah. And then he goes after some of the, the hard places. 
He goes after some of the difficult places, some of the the bondage places in his people at that time. And what they wanna do then is since he takes them to something hard, they literally wanna throw him off a cliff. And Jesus just walks right through them. And then Jesus casts a demon out of a man. And then Jesus heals an entire city. The whole city comes to his house and he's healing everybody. And then he's preaching in synagogues and he's calling his disciples and he's cleansing lepers and he's healing paralytics. Jesus is, is he's, he's doing his thing. And listen, I want this today. I wanna see Jesus do this today. I totally do. I want the whole world to see Jesus as the promised Messiah, and more than that, the treasure that their hearts were made for and by. I wanna see the kingdom of of Jesus advance on this world, where we don't just talk about powerful things, but we actually walk in them. But I, I, I don't want to miss, I don't wanna miss the reality that the way Jesus lived was important for us to operate in as well, not just what he did. Is this making sense? So I want us to hear this for a second. Desolate places were foundational to the rhythm of Jesus' life, okay? Man, we can preach on the miracles, and we will, and we do, and we can preach on all the things, and the cast, and we, and we will, and we do. But here's what I wanna draw our attention to. I think this is gonna take us deep. This is what God is speaking in my life. I wanna draw our attention to the rhythm of Jesus' life that was actually built in and around and on desolate places. Look at Luke chapter four, verse 42. It says this, after Jesus had done all these wonderful things, it says, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, Mark chapter one, we we also see this this same the, the same story, we, except just kind of in a different light. And I thought I had, I thought I had it in place. Let me just give me a second to, to flip there. Teaching us patience, right? It says, here, here we go. It's, uh, uh, that's when you know that you've got a patience problem when five seconds stresses you out, you know? So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that's where we are. Uh, man, it was quiet for five, all I heard was pages flip for five seconds. Holy cats. Uh, okay. Hey, so listen, this is Mark chapter one, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go. <laughs> I love that. Now I wanna I wanna push into this for a moment because we see that as daytime is coming. Jesus is departing, but he's, he's not up with angst because he has a lot of people that need him. He's up on a mission, and his mission is to go hang out with his dad. The priority of Jesus' life was not just to heal every single person right in front of him all of the time. What actually came before that was I hang out with my dad. I hang out 
with the Father. I hear if he wants me in this town or if he wants me to go to the next one, and I don't move till he moves me. I, I, I don't speak until I'm spoken to. I, I, I don't just get up and think I know what I need to do and start checking off a to-do list that I've created or that was left over from last night. Dad, what do you want me to do today? If you, if you skip to Luke chapter five, verse 16, this is another place where Jesus heals a leper and word about him is spreading all around. Now that's what we would call nowadays like a fresh move of the spirit, right? Everybody's hearing about Jesus. But here's, here's the weird kingdom, otherworldly, kind of like, what? What? Everybody's coming to you. Don't you wanna set up shop, at least tents, and just go after this? But look at verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Guys, uh, let me tell you what moves God's heart is not crowds as as much as hanging out with him. You know this? I I think we we have like success today and it's success if I I did something, if I accomplished something, if if I drew something, if I've got something to say, hey, wow, look at the stats. But there's not a whole lot of stats in the desolate place when you're just hanging out with your father and nobody sees it but the two of you and whatever angels visit in that moment. It's just, there's no stats there. What, what, do you, what, what is that place? What is this desolate place? What is it? The, the word desolate is also translated in, in other translations of scripture, a solitary place or an isolated place or a secluded place or a or a lonely place. And so Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Jesus also uh, often withdrew to isolated places. Jesus often withdrew to solitary places. He would actually withdraw from the action, and these places were common to Jesus. He often did this. When the disciples were out and they were, they were healing the sick and they were casting out demons and they were bringing the kingdom to towns all over the place, and then they came back. They went out two, two by two, and they came out with stories to tell. Do you know what? Jesus did not pull out a camera and let's say, let's capture all of these testimonies. Jesus said, let's withdraw to a lonely place by ourselves for a while and rest. This is in the Bible, guys. It's not how the church really operates, but it is there. Where communion with the Father is the way of life for Jesus. And let me just say it this way. Communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit should be the way of life for Jesus' followers. My, my uh, I, I mentioned this, but the, the concern is that accomplishment and progress in the church is actually replacing the secret place. Where the, the secret place just isn't as exciting. The secret place isn't as full of whatever. But the secret place is w- with God, where you and God just go deep together and you say, Jesus, you're welcome into my Ford, all right? I don't need convenience, I need you. I can have this and that and the other thing, but if I don't have you, I don't want any of it. It's you've got to be my one thing. You've got to come and take me and make me and form me and mold me. 
that has to be the, the vision of our lives, that, that no matter what we do and where we live and what we accomplish and no matter how many lives we touch, if when the fire comes on and we get refined, it has to be that Jesus was our treasure and it was all for him. Woo, that's what I want. There, there's, there's, there's sometimes, it, for me, I think that there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stress accompanied with a, a, a lot of the action surrounding the church. I, I gotta tell you today at Providence, this is actually the least stressful it has ever been in the history of Providence. You've gotta hear this, just from the pastor, from just, just my heart to yours. Believe me or not, you don't have to. I know there's a lot going on, but the way that we are ministering as a staff at Providence is uh, we are meeting less, we are spending more time in the prayer room, we are making sure that there's wholeness present over hurry, right? And what is actually happening is we're able to produce more fruit that way, not less. I wanna encourage you that what's going on in the, in the worship ministry with like, like my brother Philip, who is the best worship pastor on the planet, if you ask me, and but all the other, all the other people, um, this is, we're not teaching people how to put on a good show. Right, um, I know. You know, I, I, I've been around the block for a few years, and I've been to places where, you know, some churches say, "You know, what would be really great is if at the bridge, the singer on this side raised their left hand, and the singer on this side would raise their right. Then it would be symmetrical worship." Oh, well, that's that's nice, but that's just I've never seen symmetrical worship in the Bible before. I've seen flags and crying and shouting and rolling, but not symmetrical worship. I just wanna tell you that what is happening on this stage isn't coming out of meetings where we're trying to figure stuff out, but it's coming out of the secret place. And so if you don't wanna believe that, that that's, that's okay, but I'm not a liar. And I'm telling you with all my heart, I couldn't stand here if it was anything else. But so when stress is not, a, when stress is present, uh, present, often what is lacking is rhythms of life where you wake up in the morning and your main rhythm is not hang out with dad. But it's when stress, when, when stress is present, usually what happens is, dad, hold on, I'm gonna ride yesterday's wave and I'm gonna get to my to-do list. And so you check your email and then you check your text and then you check your Facebook Messenger and then you check your feed and then you check everything else and then we wonder why we're stressed and powerless. Well, it's, it's no mystery, my friends. We were not made to be full on, on digital communication. We were made to be full on a man named Jesus. And what, what we're doing when we're actually welcoming stress and not hanging out with dad first is we're actually partnering with the spirit of the age or the, 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 um, the message of the culture that basically says, get it done and get it done in a hurry. Not just get it done, but get er done and then God er did. And we celebrate, we celebrate fast and we celebrate going hard and we celebrate crushing it and killing it. And we celebrate all of this stuff and it's, it's the spirit of the age that is the, the rapid pace of our ability to accomplish things is what is championed. But that is not how it is in the kingdom. Jesus hangs out with his dad. Peter comes and says, everyone needs to be 
getting, getting a piece of you, man. Jesus says, on to the next town. God's the Father sending me here. I, I heard a, a pastor, um, it's actually Dave Hess. I don't know if you know him, but uh, from Christ Community Church in uh, the Camp Hill area. And he was talking about a young lady that was full of evangelistic zeal. You know what that is? If we lost that too in the church? Evangelistic zeal is zeal to see people evangelized. Or really, if you just wanna say it like a Jesus follower, you just wanna see people know Jesus, that he's a greater treasure and he's way better than anything else the world could ever throw at you. And you just wanna see people respond to the gospel in faith, all right? And so this lady was, was full of evangelistic zeal and felt this real call to go to China. And she, she talked to uh, Pastor Dave about, what do I need to go to China? And Dave said this, I'm just gonna quote him, before you go to China, go home and wash the China. <laughs> and so <laughs> what that, what, what that means, because I can tell you didn't get it. One lady over here said, wow. <laughs> but what, what it means is that there's some that are foundational. And, and making sure you know how to handle things at home would be one of the foundational things. If you can't handle it at home, how's gonna, God gonna send you to the nations? That's why when you read leadership requirements in the church, do you know that, that leadership requirements in the church are much, much less like a Fortune 500 company and much, much more like a good mom or dad? You know that? Do you know that? And leaders in the church look, are, are spiritual parents before their executives and directors, right? And uh, so, so this is, this is there's, there's rhythms, there's things that you must take care of in here and at home and, and before God sends you there. And this is, these are things that happen in desolate places when, where you walk into a place that doesn't have anything twinkling or sounding and you just say, Father, your voice is enough in this moment. I just wanna hang with you. What do you wanna do in me? 90 minutes, 90 years, whatever you say. You're not on my watch. I'm on yours. Desolate places were foundational to the rhythm of Jesus' life. But des desolate places were prioritized over urgency of the, of the immediate or roar of the crowd. I think often, often the kind of leadership that we've kind of stumbled into is, what does the crowd want? Oh, they want to be amused. Oh, are you not entertained? And so we figure out what everybody wants and we call that leadership, but that's just not leadership, is it? So desolate places were prioritized over the urgency of the immediate or the roar of the crowd. Hey, so what do we need to do today? And we check down through list and then we ask Jesus to bless it, but we never got the list from Jesus in the first place. So the, the, the roar of the crowd, the urgency of the immediate, that is, it feels good to check it off. It feels good to get people happy with you. The people that are roaring are now silenced. And you're like, okay, I accomplished something, but maybe only in this world, not in heaven. Desolate places are where you actually find what heaven is doing all around you. And then you, you partner with what God is doing. I read you uh, Mark chapter one, uh, verses 35 to 39, but Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, you're here praying, but everybody is looking for you. Everybody is looking for you is a weighty thing to say, and Peter thought that that would move Jesus. 
move his heart. And Jesus perks up and says, oh my word, I'm here communing with my father. I'm, I'm, I'm in his presence. We're just having a good time together. Here I am doing that. And wow, I didn't realize that everybody's looking for me. And it does not move Jesus' heart. It's what moves Jesus' heart is his dad. So I wanna talk about what happens in the, in the desolate place and what we see happening in Jesus' life and what, what can happen in our lives is, as we follow Jesus into the desolate place. Here's, here's one thing is that we learn to wait. Have you ever read the Bible and have you ever circled or underlined every single time the Bible says to wait? Have you ever done that? It'll be a fun little study to do. I was, uh, I was here, let, let's, let's just look at this one. Let, let's look at Psalm 37. I love this, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Which asks me, is, is Jesus our delight? Woo! And we come here at verse seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So people that are just getting her done and gotten her did. Don't stress out, do not fret when people seem to be accomplishing more. If you're patiently waiting on God, just stay. How about this, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Because you wanna move God's heart, wait. <clears throat> All the stress and anxiety and asking him to bless what's stressing us out is just not kingdom. He drew me up, look at verse two, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Do you know why I love this? Is that as the psalmist was waiting, God did the working. God drew me up from the pit. I didn't pull myself out. I didn't climb out on my own <laughs> by striving. I didn't get myself out of this miry bog. I was drawn up by God. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. In other words, I didn't do this on my own. It was supernatural, it wasn't me. I wanna live a supernatural life that can't be scaled back to willpower, but Jesus' power. He, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And I would say that the lie over a generation is work yourself into a frenzy and then ask God to bless it. Instead of saying, God, I'm waiting on you, and when you say, I'll go, and when you say, stop, and whatever you say, I'm learning to keep in step with your heart. Be still, wait patiently. And I would say it's, it's in this desolate place where we're waiting that we actually learn to hear God's voice. It's actually where we learn to pray. When we're not just, it's not just, ah, I gotta, gotta get it done. That I, I've, uh, I'm in a discipleship relationship with multiple people in these days, and I asked them, hey, how's your time with God doing? And yeah, well, I got it done, I read that. Well, did you, what did Jesus say? I don't know, I'm moving on, moving on. <laughs> well, well we've, got, we've got to learn that, that prayer isn't just us vomiting on God, though God is the one person that would love our vomit. <laughs> he, he wants it. And then he wants you to hang out while he cleans it up and encourages you. And we just have to learn how to just, just 
hang out with Jesus and just be good with that. Um, I would say the, the desolate place or the secret place is a wonderful place to begin to take the scriptures, your Bible in, and just be, begin to read them. If you're having uh, trouble hearing God's voice or the Spirit's prompting in, in your life, I would say begin just by prayerfully reading the scriptures and you'll know what God sounds like and you'll be able to differentiate the voice of the enemy from the voice of the Spirit in your life. And you'll also know that the Holy Spirit will never speak something to you that contradicts what he's already said, right? And so it's so important that we just get in the word. Um, Statistically speaking, the people that grow the most are the people that are willing to take the Bible into the secret place, all right? It may seem antiquated, but it is so good, and I promise you, you'll get lit up in a massive way. Um, How long do I hang out in the secret place? Do I kind of carve out 15 minutes? Listen, I, I don't care all right, there's not, the Bible doesn't talk about times. In fact, George Mueller, if, if you've heard of him, George Mueller uh, re- responded to this question of how long do I do my devotions? <laughs> how long do I pray? George Mueller just said this, until you're happy in Jesus. You stay in the secret place until you can come out genuinely happy in him. That's, that's how long, what, however long it takes. Martin Luther said, I've got so much to do today, I've got to hang out with Jesus for f- at least four hours. That's how long it takes. We have to learn how to reorient our lives, not around our to-do list, but a- around the presence of God. And hanging out with him until our heart is good and is an accurate representation of him to the world. Do you know that it's not wrong to be happy in Jesus? Do you know that? Do you you know that God wants to make you holy, not happy, is bad theology? Because holiness is happiness in God. You know that? Do you know that? that, Here's some good theology. That the the way that you resist sin is not by white-knuckled obedience saying, man, I would really like to do that, but I guess I'm going to have to follow Jesus. All right? That's what we've defined as holiness. And so by willpower, you say no. But holiness is, is Jesus is so much better than that sin times a million that I, I would just rather have him. I'm so thrilled and joyous and happy by him that I don't even want that. So you, we, we hang out with God and we say, God, capture my heart so that your heart is what I actually want more than anything else. The psalmist in Psalm 58, 11 says this, um, that, that God satisfies our desire in scorched places, or that would be desolate places. So I'm at, a, I'm at a place, I'm at a desolate place, it's quiet, there's nobody around, I'm bored to tears, I don't know what to do, everything around me seems scorched, but the promise of God is that in those scorched places, your heart can actually be satisfied. By what? What can God give me in a scorched place where there's nothing to offer? Him. You weren't made for what a place can give, you were made for the person of Jesus. And, and Jesus alone can satisfy your heart. So I would say spend time, learn to do life with God until joy comes. Do you know Psalm 126 verses five and six talks about those who sow in tears? 
will reap with shouts of joy. I think that there's some people here that you have, been, you have been crying and crying and crying and you're heartbroken and you're hurt. And I, I believe that the, the, the promise from God's heart is that you've been sowing in tears, but your tears in a kingdom sense are actually seeds that are being planted in his heart and that you are going to reap with shouts of joy. Uh, he who goes out weeping, verse six says of, of 126, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, tears, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now this is how a upside down backwards kingdom works. You're crying, but it's turned to joy. You're, you're weeping, but it's, it's, it's turned to rejoicing. Um, you, are, you are in anguish, but it turns to dancing. This is, this is how it works in the kingdom. And it doesn't, you don't get there by rushing. You don't get there in just one moment. You get there in lots of moments spread throughout your whole life. God takes you there. Or how about Habakkuk 3, where basically Habakkuk says, though I have planted, and, but there's no fruit on the vine. All of my cows have run off. All my goats are not even in their stalls. Even though I've lost it all in the natural and the supernatural, I still have you. And so I will take joy in the Lord. Or what the priest said to the, the people building the wall, Ezra, Nehemiah's day, is that when they heard the law being shared and realized that they had broken the law, that the priest said to the people, do not weep, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Now this is something that the joy of the Lord is something that you, you, you have to encounter in the secret place. Let me tell you this, I, I grew up a pastor's kid. I've heard a lot of great sermons I've heard all kinds of people preach. Like I, I you know, I, I've heard all, I've read all kinds of books. I, I've been in all kinds of services. I've, I've seen wild stuff, man. Stuff that I, I, I can't wait to see even better in, in our days. But let me tell you that the place where God really got a hold of my heart, He whetted my appetite in the gathering. But when I got in my room on my knees by my bed with an open Bible, and and I basically told my mom, I'm not eating until I meet with Jesus. I'm fasting. And I, I began to, I began to as, a, as a ninth grade boy, I began fasting every single Monday, all day, and I would get on my knees, and I would grab my guitar, and I would hang out with Jesus. And those are the times where it got, let me just say, spicy. In the secret place, nobody ever saw me. I wasn't selfieing with me and my guitar, just me hanging out with Jesus, just me and Jesus and well and all of you I just want to just listen to the song that Jesus just gave me it's just just none of that I was I was reading the Bible so much that the entire New Testament fell out and I would just pick it up and I would like I can't oh man I would just try to put it back together and then I get a new one I would just I would just I would I was so desirous of the scriptures that I underlined every word and I just, all I wanted to do, like, Jesus became better for me than eating food. The, the spiritual food of, of him was better for me. And I'm telling you, I tasted and saw his goodness in the gatherings. But when I got into the secret place where it was just me and him, I found out that my dad, my father, my heavenly father is better, that the Holy Spirit is a better friend than any group of friends I could ever be a part of. Just the Holy Spirit is better. He captured my heart as a ninth grader and I was never, ever, ever even close to the same. 
And there's, there's, this, there's this just getting with God, the simplicity, the simplicity of just getting with God alone and saying, I'm yours. Whatever you wanna say, I'm all ears. Whatever you wanna do, I'm all ears. I think some of us, I, I talk to some of us and we feel bad that we have, we don't feel anything in, in corporate worship. It's just kind of loud and people are dancing and someone always hits me with a flag. I don't know, it's just kind of not, uh, I, what, uh. okay. Listen, <laughs> listen, I, I'm telling you right now, being a part of a body, especially one that's decided to go out, to, to keep it loose and free and not, not make cookie cutter worshipers, right? You know, that, you know, raise your right hand over here, raise your left hand over here, like easy, easy, easy. Like, I, I, if, if you have a wild horse, I say turn it loose, right? Listen, like, I, I just wanna, I wanna be the kind of church where we can just turn it loose. You know, those are better problems than, than others. So, but uh, I talk to people that are, that are just like, man, I just feel weird, I get hit with flags, I just don't know if I like this, I just don't, I don't feel anything. Seems like everybody else is feeling stuff. I see tear stains up here. Like I, I don't feel, feel, I don't feel, feel anything. And I, I would just, I would just say this, like, well, okay, how about this? You're not gonna feel stuff for God that you don't know, right? And I would say, like, it actually doesn't start here. It starts there. It starts in the secret place. Like, you, there's some, there's, a, there's holy affections that are birthed in desolate places that then find their expression in corporate gatherings. And if, if just like you're out to lunch all week, barely thinking of Jesus, and then you come here expecting to be like, ah, you know, like I, I would say this, if you have no affection for God in corporate worship, which is a very biblical concept, your heart is supposed to feel things biblically, right? Your life was saved by God. You are now not destined for darkness, but for the kingdom. You were lost and now you're found. You're an orphan, now you're a son or a daughter. You're, you're so, there's feelings that are supposed to accompany that. And when we say that we treasure Jesus, there's emotions that accompany that, 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 need, to be, that, that need to be activated, right? But where we, in my opinion, if you're not feeling it here, like go get with God alone and hang out with him, until he unlocked your heart in some places. And maybe he'll, maybe he'll show you that you've got some bitterness still that's clouding the whole thing. You've got unforgiveness still that's clouding the whole thing. And you've had a life that you're speeding by all of that stuff, actually putting up with it. And God's like, no, 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 I, I wanna unlock your heart, but first we have to get this stuff off. It's insulating your heart. Or some of us, have you ever fasted? And the, the, when, if you fast for long enough, your, your body goes from being ravenously hungry. Like literally, when I fast, I'll, I'll dream of a bacon cheeseburger. You know? <laughs> it's everything I want. But then you fast long enough, it usually takes me about three days, where suddenly you're not hungry anymore. And I think the body has fasted from God. Where, where we actually, our, our holy affections, our taste for him, our desire for him has all but gone. And then, then what we do so we don't feel bad about ourselves is wrap a theology that allows for that around it. But I think what, what Jesus wants to do in the secret place when he meets with us is he wants to handle, the, he actually wants to unlock our hearts and, and he wants us to hand things over to him and he wants to light us up. He wants our hearts to come alive to him again. 
but it doesn't happen just like this usually. It happens just we, we just meet with him. We meet with him and he's patient with us and we wait on him and we have our whole life looks like a going after him. Is that not what Jesus modeled with his life? He didn't just get you know, baptized and then just he was off. It was, it was a lifestyle of pursuing his father. How about this? King David, before he was a giant killing king, before he was famous, slaying his tens of thousands, he was a leer playing worshiper on a hillside. You know that? He didn't just jump right into kingship. He didn't skip steps. He met the father in the secret place to care of some sheep. It was nothing grandiose. It was just him with God on a hill. I think that for me, this is where it starts, my friends. That we have to get alone with God on a hillside, not using God to try to get to the position that we want, but actually getting with God on a hillside and finding out that he's better than any position right here. I just want to be around you. I just want to schedule my day around you. I just, Jesus, I just want to meet with you. I just want to taste and see that you're good. I just want you, I, I want to stop scheduling in stress and asking you to bless it. That's not Christianity. I want to stop squeezing you in if I can and then just saying, well, grace. Well, yeah, of course grace. It wasn't for grace, man. Where would we be? But grace would actually call us to the secret place. I want to call you in. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I want to call you in. I want to set you up. And I just want to meet with you. And I want to take you deeper. So my prayer for us as a church is that these would be days where we actually learn um, as individuals what it is to walk with God starting the secret place in the desolate place and we would look at Jesus and say Jesus wow you you modeled this so well but here let me tell you this the Holy Spirit is not just pointing out Jesus as a model but the Holy Spirit is actually empowering us to walk like he did and I just believe that God's calling us into deeper levels of intimacy and he wants to rearrange our schedules and he wants to give us healthier rhythms and that hurry would be less and man, just the joy and satisfaction of walking with Jesus would be more and it would be prioritized and he would be treasured and loved and our hearts would be exploding with joy. Isn't that what your neighbors need? Not a stressed out, hurried, kind of mowing the lawn, kind of like, ah, just waving. I don't have enough time to actually talk to you. I'll say, see ya, see ya, see ya. You know, hey, right, come to church sometime. Oh, what? This is, how, this is how we live. It's just like this hurried madness. And what the, what the world actually needs is people who have, have seen the Lord and have time to tell others about it. So impacted. So, so like the, the, the aroma of the Father, the aroma of the Spirit, the oil of joy is like a part of us. And so where we go, people encounter God. That is how God designed it. Not that you would throw a track at somebody and, and people would mentally assent to some truths, but people would actually smell the greatness of God on us, so to speak, and experience the love and joy and peace of the Spirit 
they would actually they would actually encounter what God is like because we're becoming more like Jesus. So this is the kind of church I want to be. This is the kind of man I want to be. The kind of husband I want to be. I'm going to be married 21 years on Thursday. <laughs> I'm I'm just telling you what. The, the only way that you can do a marriage is uh, welcoming Jesus into it. And the only way that you can parent children is welcoming Jesus in. And so guys, uh, I just, I just wanna invite you to the secret place again. Let's, let's have a revival of the secret place. Come on. So, so just, just kind of just take, I'm just gonna pause just for one moment. You can open your hands on your laps. You can hold your hands in the sky. You can kneel down, you can stand up. Just, I don't care what you do. It's just gotta be real. But Jesus, just right now, we just, we wanna respond to you. We, just, we wanna respond to you, God, to the, the, the hurry and the distractions of life. Man, I've just robbed our hearts of just meeting with you and just breathing you in and just quieting our hearts before you like a child. Can I think of Sarah Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' wife, 11 children, and she just put a blanket over her head. She couldn't escape her kids, so she just put a blanket over her head, and she just spent time with you under that blanket, and that was her secret place. So God, I just pray that you give us a creative strategy on what this looks like, just going after you, God, but I just pray that our hearts will be desirous of you above all things, and that you would, uh, you would light us up in your presence for real, God and that you teach us how to pray, and that you teach us how to read your scriptures, and that you teach us how to just be with you. And God, thank you that, uh, we, that we may be going to some secret places that seem boring to us, but thank you that the, what we'll find is that you're anything but boring. You're satisfying. You're holy and altogether wonderful. And we just want to taste of you and experience you and know you more, God. So I just pray that into our heart, starting with mine, God, just, just put my hands over my heart, God, and say, I don't want to lose this moment. I just want this to be a moment where, I, where my heart and our hearts are marked with this. So God, just lead us in this, I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.